Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm Laura, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm really glad to be here. Gosh, um, thank you, Jack, for asking me. And boy, well, I, uh, you know, I love hearing how it works again. I love hearing it read in a meeting. It, it's like, um, it's a soothing blanket to me when I hear it read in the meeting. I believe it. I remember when I first heard it, and I, it was it was simple and direct and hopeful. And I uh, came to Overeaters Anonymous on May 3rd, 1988. I had met somebody through work, and <clears throat> she ordered. We met for dinner and thought it was going to be a business kind of networking thing. She ordered uh, dinner. We were at the Cheesecake Factory. She ordered, and when she ordered, she said, can you please make sure there's no flour or sugar? And I thought, I asked her, why are you asking that? And she said, because I'm allergic to it. And I said, how can you be allergic to sugar or flour? I said, I'm allergic to fish, to salmon, and I'm allergic to horses and dogs. But I said, what happens to you when you're, I'd never heard of being allergic to sugar and flour. Um, And I, I said, what happens to you? And I don't remember if she said, I blow up, I have a reaction. I don't know what she said. But she said, I haven't had sugar in five years. And I could not even imagine that. And I said, you haven't had a chocolate chip cookie in five years? No. I said, how's that possible? She said, well, have you heard of AA? I said, yeah, I don't know anything about it. And she said, well, there's a program called Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, it's the 12 steps. I didn't know what the 12 steps were. So she told me the first step. We admitted we were powerless over food and our lives would become unmanageable. And then she told me the second step. And by the second step, she was totally losing me. And by the third step, she totally lost me because I thought it's a cult. Um, but something happened and I went to the meeting at Third and Flores on Tuesday night, which I think was the next night. So the first half of the first step got me. Because I didn't think I was allowed to be powerless over anything, especially food. Um, I, I think, I feel like I was probably born a compulsive overeater. Uh, my siblings, my sister and brother aren't compulsive overeaters as far as I know. And my other brother who passed away, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, he had other issues. But um, I know I am. And uh, when I was given that uh, permission to be powerless over food, I, there was a sense of relief. I didn't know. I, I knew how to diet. I had dieted. I actually knew why I ate, too, because I'd been in therapy enough to know that I ate over anxiety, depression, loneliness, fear, worry. 
But what I didn't understand is why I ate when I had success. I would eat when good things happened too. It didn't make any sense. And I knew what to eat, but I couldn't sustain it. And when I dieted, I kept the weight off for, you know, we say five minutes. I mean, I, and I think I now know. I mean, I, um, I learned in here it's a threefold disease, emotional, spiritual, and physical. I had no idea there was a phenomenon of craving. And when I read that in the big book, I thought, oh my God, that helps explain it. Because I would swear I would not eat it that after binging, whatever time I started binging and going to bed feeling just sick, I'd swear tomorrow's the day, tomorrow's the day. And sometimes I could make it till four o'clock and sometimes I could make it for three days. But eventually I was at the machine for the candy bars and the 7-Eleven and the donuts and the ice cream and, and why couldn't I stop? So when I heard that maybe I have a physical difference and when I saw the big book, we talk about an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body, I can't do this. I can't will myself into not eating sugar. I thought after that first meeting, when I heard Ida and somebody else speak, and this is funny, I could have sworn Ida said she doesn't eat sugar. I don't think she said that. I, 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 I don't want to say what she said or didn't say, but you know, it's funny. I thought, well, I'm going to try not eating sugar for one day. And, um, so I haven't had sugar, you know, in terms of those desserts since May 3rd, 1988. And I say that with complete awe. And I also say that with, by telling you that my food has not been perfect for 33 years. They have to make that very clear. I've gotten in the ring with certain foods along the way. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing to myself. Why not tell it? I remember calling Terrell years ago. I was abstinent. I'm working the program. And I called him over along the way different different times. I've called many of you along the way. And I was having trouble with guacamole. And he said, would you rather have guacamole or God? And I loved that because it brought me back to the focus. I didn't believe in God when I came here. I didn't believe in a power greater than myself. Um, I believed in my father. And when I stopped, at three weeks after I stopped having sugar and I was going to meetings, and... I still didn't believe in God. I was just admitted I was powerless over food. I didn't believe my life was unmanageable either because I had a career, I had friends. I couldn't fit into anything. And you know, the zipper went halfway up and the pant legs were kind of rub were rubbing. And, um, but three weeks after I stopped eating sugar, I was driving on the 101 from the valley going towards downtown. For those of you not in LA, it's one of the freeways. And all of a sudden, I felt something I'd never felt before. And I felt at one with all the other drivers. Like I, I felt a peace. And I felt a range of emotions that I was aware of. I felt my feelings, even while I was eating because of therapy, but I had never known peace. 
that I, rec that I recall. I don't remember feeling peace or serenity and a oneness with others. And it was like, this is a weird feeling. And I talked to two of my new friends in OA who were both born again Christians and I'm Jewish. And they nodded wisely and they said, that's God. So over the years, I've had no problem saying God. And um, we turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. I kept thinking I, should un I wanted to understand God. Like, how am I going to understand God? And um, I, I stopped trying to understand God. I just know, or it helps me, I don't know, it helps me to remember that I'm not God. And there's a power greater than myself. Many people think it's part of themselves, and, and maybe it is, maybe it's my higher self. I don't know, I don't get into the semantics of it for me. I just know it helps me to remember that I'm not in charge of the world. Because even now, being a abstinent and involved and never leaving and trying to work the steps as best as I can, I forget that I'm not in charge of you. Or not you, but my husband. Um, I forget I'm not in charge of him. <laughs> but I have a husband. And it's a good marriage. And actually, on October 18th, it's going to be 18 years. So, gee whiz. Um, but, uh, so the longer I've been here, the more I realize how unmanageable my life can get. If I, if I forget that I'm not in charge, um, So, what else happened? <laughs> Everything happened. Um, I remember driving, you know, working, doing step six, trying to do step six, and it really made me mad and frustrated year, many years ago that I knew what my character defects were or coping mechanisms or whatever terms one wants to call them that, um, that helps. And, but why couldn't I get rid of them? For the life of me, why couldn't? I knew it, I knew it, I didn't want them anymore. And somebody said, it's in God's time. And, you know, it's funny. I was listening to NPR, the main public radio yesterday, yesterday, the day before, and I came in late on the story and it was somebody talking about being a, a professional listener. And I guess she's written a book about professional listening. I didn't hear the whole thing, but uh, tips on how to listen to help somebody. And I thought, I, we are so lucky. I learned, you know, sponsoring, being at the other end of the um, anonymous phone call. After 10 days of abstinence and going to meetings, I came home from a meeting filled with feelings. And you know, that empty time where you're alone. Morning, Thank you. That empty time where you're alone, it's night, and now what? And I wanted to eat a pie. I didn't want to eat a slice of pie. I never wanted to eat a, as the years went by, I never wanted to eat the slice or the one cookie or the a normal amount of ice cream. I wanted to eat as much as I wanted. 
and um, and I heard that we make calls, and I called ten people because I the taste of abstinence, the feeling of abstinence, was so good, and yet these feelings were so big and uncomfortable, and I just believed you guys, and I thought, okay, I'm going to call these people who I don't know. And I, I think the phone call for me over the years has just been tremendous to be able to tell somebody, especially when you're struggling and new. But even as time goes on, I, I mean, I don't call as many people, but I sure love getting calls and I still have a few people I call and, uh, I don't have a down pat, but boy, has my life changed. And I learned about service in here from you, um, from my first sponsor who insisted I take a service commitment at the home meeting. <laughs> I, I, I just, I talk about, I can't believe it's been 33 years. And I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. This is the only, I mean, the steps to me are the, are the answer. And, uh, and, um, you know, another term I've learned lately is like aligning myself with God or aligning myself with that energy. It, I used to, you know, I used to hear and I used to wonder, well, how can you tell the difference between your will and God's will? Many of us would ask that. And I don't have any idea. I really don't. But I have found for myself that in the seeking, in the asking to do God's will, I don't get generally exact answers. Uh, but I, if I'm seeking it, it somehow takes the the charge out of my will. Um, it's really hard in in a, a business relationships. Sometimes I'm dealing with a project and different points of view. Um, but I don't crave sugar or flour anymore. How's that? I mean. I don't. I, for the most part, for the last while, I've been not in the ring with food. I subject to change at any moment. I don't. Ha- I, I don't. I have no uh, confidence that that will last. I don't know. I, one day at a time, though, seems pretty good. So um, there's going to be time for questions. So I. I don't know what else to say right now, so I look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks so much. Go for it. Wait, Deb, am I supposed to do something now? Uh, no, um, no. They are going to ask, uh, someone in the room is going to ask a question. If you could repeat the question and then respond. Okay. Uh, thank Heather. you. So we have, um, thank you for speaking. Um, we have a lot of tools um, in the program. But what are the one or two things that you need to do every day to keep yourself um, on track? I heard the part where you said you have a lot of blank in the program. Was that a lot of time in the program? Or tools. 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 You have a lot of tools in the program, but what are the things you have to do every day to keep yourself on track? Um, Nothing. No. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. I um. I don't have the formalized 
uh, I don't ha- these days I'm not having the formalized uh, routine that I had for a long time then I did I said the first three steps out loud I got on my knees and I did the third step prayer and then other times I did the seventh step prayer um, and though and then at the other times I've I've done a lot of things. These days what I'm doing is I meditate almost every day. Um, I started meditating again and more consistently and, and I have a practice about seven years ago. And um, I go to usually one or two meetings a week now I um, I pray during the day. I make amends. I do ten steps during the day. I try. I'm not perfect, but it comes gets very loud when it feels like I have to make an amends uh, when I've overstepped or I've. I'm again. I'm not perfect, and. Um, I think that's, I don't do the same thing every day except meditate most days and um, and pray and then talk to people along the way. I hope that answers it. Thanks, Laura. We have a question online. What was your experience releasing your weight? What, the question online is, what was your experience releasing your weight? That's a good question. Um, well, I've been maintaining about a, uh, what is it? Like a 45 pound weight loss. Uh, when I got abstinent from sugar and I knew, I kind of knew what to eat, but not eating all that candy and ice cream, I lost 30 pounds. Um, and I also, I did exercise. I liked it. I, I, Tried, I liked exercising. Um, I started bike riding at the beginning, which I hadn't done in many, many years. And that went along with, and that also got me connected. Nature got me in touch more with um, a spiritual feeling and God and just being outside. So I lost 30 pounds, which was fantastic. And then, not because I lost 30 pounds, who knows why? except that I'm a compulsive overeater, I started, feelings started to come up. I remember going to Thalians, which was the big Friday night meeting at Cedar sinai which was a, was a fun place to go. <laughs> it was social and alive. And, and um, I remember going there one night for the 7.30 Friday night meeting. And this is how into OA I was. I thought I would not, I wouldn't want to be any other place but here on a Friday night. It felt so alive and so nurturing and so accepting and there were guys there and Jack was there and <laughs> there was so much feeling and people who understood and happy and just honest um, and I felt like uh, smoke was coming out of my ears because I was so angry and the feelings were really starting to come up and I was still working with my sponsor of course and I was writing and I was eating tortilla chips too and um it wasn't breaking my abstinence but i was starting to gain weight and 
I wasn't losing weight. And then there were the bouts with the popcorn and, um, and, uh, and then my, you know, I was, and I didn't feel good about it. It's hard to remember all, but so I was gaining a little more weight. And then I went to Hal. I don't know if all of you have heard of Hal, but that's a more, if you haven't, that's a more, uh, rigid, struck, it's a, it's a specific food plan. And, um, so I stayed in both and I lost the last 10 pounds in Hal and I got thinner. And the thing was that I had to, as we went along, it was kind of scary to be at this regular weight and to feel good in my body. It was really scary to feel attractive and because I had never really felt attractive. And um, so luckily I could write about that and talk about that in therapy and in program. So I didn't have to eat over it. I didn't have to eat over the uncomfortable, another uncomfortable feeling. Um, and I'll tell you that I'm, I think I, I like my body, even though I'm aging, I feel good about it. Uh, it's, it's, I kayak and I do things and I, it's, it's fun. So I hope that answered. Uh, Laura, we've kept you with your phone numbers, so I don't know if you wouldn't mind putting it in the chat. Of course. Of course. Thank you. I'll put it on my phone. Right here. Uh, okay. Laura, uh, Stephanie, is your question in the room? Yeah. Hi. Um, how did you convey your uh, disease and program to your now husband when you were getting to know each other? Could you repeat the beginning? How did I convey my what to my husband as we were getting to your, know each other? Uh, your disease and program. Oh yeah, good question. Really good question. Well, I'd, I'd gone on dates before because I was, um, yeah, I was 13 years abstinent when I met my husband. That's a chunk of time. So I'd had some practice like going out to eat with guys. <laughs> I remember one guy, he thought I might have an eating disorder of bulimia because he, and which I don't, because he couldn't believe how, much, how big of a salad I ate, um, which is still the case. And uh, so at the beginning I didn't tell Rick and then I did. And um, it's hard to remember now because it's been 20 years or so. Uh, it's funny though. I, today I said, you know, I'm leaving this meeting. Um, what room do you want to be in? And he said, well, but you want to do it in the bedroom? And I said, actually, no, because I like to be a little more formal than sitting on the bed and I can't be as comfortable. I said, and I, if I'm in this room, I think I'll feel a little uh, uneasy if, if you're in the other room. Now he's been to meetings where I've shared and he's heard me be on meetings, but I, today for some reason I asked him and he said, really? He says, uh, so he went in the bedroom. Um, every so often when he gets a little annoyed, he does get a little annoyed because every so often he says, really, we can't just have a light breakfast and then just see what happens around lunchtime, you know, if we're out and about. And I, I said, no, I can't. And every so often he forgets, he goes, well, we're going to have a light, a light lunch because we're going to be eating early dinner. 
I don't have a light lunch. I have my lunch. Um, I've had light lunches before, but I do, I do better. I'm a, I like routine and I, I plan my meals more or less. Uh, I mean, I don't, it, if it changes from chicken to fish or something like that, but I, I, and I, I look ahead at restaurant menus. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, okay, we have a question online about using the phone list. Um, so, do you have boundaries using the phone, a phone list and calling people? Does everyone get back to you? You know, how do you usually communicate with them? Do you leave messages? Do you talk a little bit about that? That would be great. Do I have to repeat that or does everybody hear that? I think everybody. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Oh, gosh. In the early years, I would use that, those phone lists. I really believed in the anonymity. I, I cherish it. Um, I still cherish it. I assume that what I say, I've told really intimate, like family shit to strangers. Um, and I just believe they're not going to talk about it. Um, just like, I try to the best of my ability not to, not to gossip, but I fail sometimes. But the phone call to me is very sacred. And um, no, people don't always get back. And it used to, when I needed it more, I didn't like that. I thought, gosh, they talk about, you know, this, and then they don't call you back. But that happens. Uh, along the way, I've been very disappointed by people in program at certain times when I've been needy with things that were going on. Um, but I got to write about it. I got to talk about it. It's principles above personalities. It's easy for me to say that now, after 33 years. Uh, I've cried about it, but I don't leave, and I keep try to keep my eye on the ball of all the things that we read. Okay, is there a question in the room? Yes. No question? Okay. Yes. Um, how did your abstinence from flour and sugar come about? <laughs> I was beaten. It was killing me. It was killing me emotionally and spiritually, not to mention, well, the flour, the sugar, that was the one. I thought I heard it. That seemed like a black and white thing I could do at the beginning. Because I somehow got, I, I couldn't make this a diet because I knew I'd blow it. So I had to make it some, I don't know. I thought I heard they didn't have sugar. And, and I thought, I felt like such an addict with sugar. I just, I felt there was nothing I could do to stop. So I don't know, maybe it was just a gift. I don't know, that's how that happened. And honestly, the, the sugar-free stuff, I remember after a few weeks going to the uh, Tuesday night meeting and I had eaten after my dinner, before going to the meeting, I'd eaten seven of those uh, sugar-free fudgicles. I don't know if they make those anymore, but they were 30 calories a pop. You know, this is a sugar-free fudgicle. And I ate seven, and I thought, oh, shit. It's sugar-free, but oh, this doesn't feel right. And I didn't want to go to the meeting. I thought I blew it, because it was the old, if I blow it, I'm off and running, I'll start tomorrow. But I did go to the meeting. And I actually told Henry, 
a man named Henry. And uh, he said, as far as I'm concerned, if it looks like a duck, it is a duck. And I think after that, well, I don't think I had any more sugar pizza, or soon after I didn't. Because it was so, for me, for my mind and my body, it messes with me. It, I get obsessed. I get really obsessed, and it's really hard for me to not go do it. The flower came later when I was overeating bagels in program, when I was overeating bread in program. And funnily, I haven't had flour in, I don't know, maybe 15 or some years. I don't know exactly. I mean, not bread kind of flour. There's a little flour in something, but I have to stay away from that too. I just, I got beaten. It's like I didn't want to gain weight and I didn't want to be depressed and I didn't want to be battling. But it didn't cut me easily. Um, I think we have time maybe for one more. Anybody in the room? Yes. Hi, Laura. Thank you for your share. Uh, you talked a lot about feelings, the feelings that come up when you're... Uh, now abstinent, what do you say when a uh, fellow or a sponsee calls and they're feeling overwhelmed by those feelings? What do, oh, I talk about a lot about feelings and um, what do I say when a sponsee calls and they're feeling overwhelmed by their feelings? And you have five minutes left. Thanks. That's a good question. I think it depends. Um, I listen and I don't, to the best of my ability, judge their feelings. I encourage them to have feelings. Um, I ate over feelings. I push down the feelings with food. I encourage them to write the Dear God letter, to let it all pour out. Um, you know, there's, there's fine lines sometimes between somebody who just goes, on and on and on and on and on. And then how do we work the program to, but I, I, I really try to let somebody have the feelings. Uh, and then, you know, we, we don't wallow, but, and feelings have their own timetable. But I, how do I take action while I have the feelings? Kind of along those lines. Um, okay, in the next, uh, four minutes. Could you speak a little bit about sticking to your um, uh, your abstinence, your food plan, and and what was that what's that like for you? Sure. I must say, and I say it with complete awe, and I just kind of can't believe it. The last few years, and I can't remember when, I I seem to be in a very easy place with food. My food plan is pretty simple. Um, I don't, I basically don't eat carbs, meaning like I don't eat the starches. Um, I, uh, and then they're not, I, I, I you know, I, I got in the ring with so many of them. I'm sillily enough, I'm, you know, I don't, I, I don't wish this on anybody, honestly, but it's just somehow I've come to accept my limitations. And, um, it's, hard for me to eat yams, which is a healthy thing because I really want them with a lot of butter. Um, 
I have a problem. I used to have a problem with butter. So I, you know, it got, it's like, and I, I battled cheese in my time. Luckily, I can eat cheese now if it's measured. So when I'm home, I measure my protein most of the time. If we're having a dinner party, sometimes I don't. But when I'm, when it's just me and my husband, I measure my protein. I don't measure my vegetables. I don't measure my fat, but I kind of watch it. But I don't feel like I'm dieting. In the morning, I have fruit and protein, but I had to, bread, and again, I don't wish this on anybody. I don't even advise it. I don't recommend it. It's just what happened. I don't eat bread of any kind because it just started to look too much like a duck. And then even the whole grains, maybe it's my body. I don't know, but I seem to do better this way. Um, so, but I love, I eat a lot of foods and I eat a lot and I love them. And, you know, people do say, they kind of, oh, you're so good. Or, I'm not good. I'm just a compulsive overeater who somehow can accept these days that I have a lot of limitations when it comes to food. And I stopped fighting it because I guess it got so bad. Uh, so I hope that answered the question. Oh, I have to say one more thing. Just one more thing. I don't have any idea what somebody should eat. And that's such a relief in that too. I don't know what your body should eat, your mind should eat. I don't know. If you have trouble with something, we can talk about it. I can suggest something based on my own experience, but I have no idea if you can eat sugar or if you can eat bread or whatever. So I guess, is that it? Now do we go to the format? Yes, please. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much.